from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Actually, it's not because they want to make more money. It's because they don't feel recognized. You could sort by region. You know, you could choose Dallas. You want to look at what's happening in, in Silicon Valley and sort and see which companies from each of those major metro areas had made it. St. Louis wasn't even one of the choices. Yes. And that, that kind of broke my heart a bit. It did. You know, we need to find something that uh, I think there's some work. Something that kind of defines us. That kind of defines us. I'm Sarah Fetsky. Maplewood based Engagedly is one of the fastest growing private companies in the U.S. Don't take my word for that. The company was recently listed on the Inc. 5000, which tracks growth in privately held companies. It credits Engagedly with 577% growth over the past three years. That's enough to earn the company a spot in the top 1,000 of Inc.'s list. It's one of just five St. Louis area companies notching such honors. So what does Engagedly do and what's driving that growth? Joining us today with the answers is its co-founder and president, that is Shri Chalapa. So Shri, welcome. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. So your company offers, quote, a people-centric talent management platform. What is that? All right. So if you look at how organizations run their businesses, their focus typically is growing their top line, reducing costs, expansion, all of that stuff, right? I mean, they, a lot of companies talk about, you know, we are people friendly, we care about our employees. And that's true for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. especially these days, it's more true than it's ever been before. Um, what we have seen, however, in the last, I guess, you know, few decades of technology being used to run organizations is that the people-oriented part of the software that's run for internal people management have been very much driven by what I would say, top-down, mm-hmm. more organizational process, compliance, check-the-box type of stuff. And what Engagely is doing is to build a software that people actually want to use, they actually want to be part of the organization, and there's a collective um, you know, investment and uh, both from the employees and the organizations in their people processes. So it's a very people-centric approach to software rather than more compliance-oriented approach to uh, HR systems. So I'm thinking about what I have to use for our HR systems um, in my job, and I just consider that something I want to get done as fast as possible so I can get back to the part of of the job that interests me. How are you making this something that is pleasant for people or maybe even goes beyond that and is a part of of something they enjoy? Yeah, so if you look at, uh, especially as you phrased the, the question there, you know, as a leader, you want a software that you can use to manage your people. Mm-hmm. But as a leader, you should be also asking the question, what is the software my people want to use for their own success at the organization, for their own fulfilling career they want within the organization, so they can feel more connected within the organization? If you, if you actually think about how much time you actually spend with our coworkers um, and at work, you probably spend more time with them than with your spouse or with sure. your kids, you know, um, many people do. Um, and so why not, why not make that a more fulfilling part of your life and not just look at, at that as work and I just need to get my work done and go home. So that's the way we want to look at, you know, software for people. So how can a software do that? Well, two things, right? If you look at how, uh, where employees are most engaged 
and fulfilled is where they have connections at work, hmm. right? Especially in a remote work environment, it's even harder to do so. So software with social constructs can really help do that. The other part where people complain and leave actually is not because they want to make more money. It's because they don't feel recognized. They don't feel appreciated. Um, you know, some managers are good at doing that. Most are not. Um, a software can help you with those tools to be able to give somebody a praise, give somebody a thumbs up, you know, give somebody a recognition badge, things of those nature to really appreciate the work they do. Um, so if you build intelligent software that really promotes those behaviors, um, and I can talk more about, you know, how we can actually make that more fun by gamifying it. We give points and we, make, we, we have leaderboards and things like that. So it makes it even more fun to actually not only receive the uh, depreciation, but actually even give it. So you're clearly onto something here. I mean, you have seen huge growth in the past three years. Is there a big increase in businesses wanting this sort of thing or, or just in terms of businesses hiring you and your company to do it? Well, it's, um, so we, we provide a platform. I think the, the big thing that has changed in the last four four or five years is a more people-centric approach within the organization. Organizations are really suffering from a shortage of talent. I mean, we obviously see a huge backlog of jobless claims and unemployment, but if you actually look at look behind the data, the problem is not that it's not enough people. The problem is there's not enough of the skills they need in the market today. Mm -hmm. So they have to do two things. One, retain the people they already have and get the skills they want to grow and just sustain their businesses. And you cannot necessarily do that by always hiring new people because they don't have those skills either. Mm -hmm. um, so what the software like ours can do is to help a complete skill development program that makes it more fun and fulfilling and you know, uh, and give people more careers for upward and, um, you know, um, longitudinal mobility within the organizations. You know, and you're talking about uh, maybe people being remote from their coworkers. Has the pandemic also created some opportunity here, this move to people having to work in teams with people that aren't in the same room with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you think about it, um, uh, you know, a lot of organizations would say, hey, we need to achieve these things. And they'll go to a whiteboard and they'll write a big whiteboard in their room. And then the whiteboard stays there and, you know, it, you don't erase it for months. You can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just put sticky notes anywhere. Now, now a need for a software to actually manage that and track that is becoming even more um, imperative to do that, especially if you're remote. And the advantage of doing that is that it's the whiteboard is in your room. The software is on the cloud. So when you build your tools and your goals, for example, one of the things we have in our software is you set goals as an organization. Those goals are transparent to the entire organization. Mm -hmm. It is not a secret. At least that's the culture we want to promote with, with our clients. Your goals as an organization, your goals as a manager are not a secret. They need to be um, transparent to the employees. And then consequently, the employees then can set their own goals and they can track progress and you can see the entire ecosystem of your of your organization in, in on the move, essentially. Hmm. So Engagedly started at the T-Rex incubator downtown. A right. lot of startups have started there, but you guys have now spread your wings. Um, you're off in a place of your own in Maplewood. Yes. Um, how essential was being there in T-Rex as, as you guys were getting going? You know, T-Rex was a great help. First of all, it's extremely affordable. Um, and second, there are lots of startups. It's a good ecosystem to be around. Uh, the people there are extremely s supportive um, of the startups. And that was one of the reasons we, you know, we, we got there. And the thing about T-Rex is you can you know, start with one room and then you can get another office, another office. And eventually, you know, we got where we had five offices and not every office was adjacent to each other. And at this point, we decided, okay, it's probably time to get our own office. And, and that's their model. Their model is to incubate and help startups and then so that they can graduate essentially. So why Maplewood? 
Well, that was completely opportunistic, you know. So I, uh, one of the things about my background is I'm also a filmmaker. Um, you know, I've produced or directed or written like five feature films. Um, and then one of my first feature films that we shot um, in downtown uh, called Ghost Image, which um, I co-wrote and produced, that was actually um, uh, finished at the studio called Smithley Productions, which is a which is the second oldest recording studio in St. Louis. Actually, hmm. it's been in operation for over forty years. Anyway, through through the grapevine, I found out that the owners were looking to retire and sell the building, and um, I had the opportunity and the resources. Um, at, you know, it's just fortuitous that I uh, was able to do so. I contacted them and I decided to buy that building. It served two purposes. One. I, and I have a passion for music and movies, so the recording studio was a good addition for that. But it had two additional floors that were completely empty, so I figured it would be a good way to move our technology company down there as well. And so, yeah, you're moving your technology company to Maplewood, or you have moved. But on top of that, you intend to keep this production studio open. You, you're now working with musicians. I am, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we have a good team there. Uh, I, I can't say I'm a good sound engineer or anything. In fact, I'm not a sound engineer at all. Um, but um, one of the things, you know, I started playing music too. So, I, you know, we have a band uh, called Manchester Underground. Hopefully you'll get to hear that someday soon. But, um, and that was my love for music is, is to, you know, play music. Um, and we played a few live shows. But this afforded me ability, the ability to stay connected with the music scene. So it was not just going to be a passing fad. Um, and one of the things we did as we got the studio, it's now called Kalinga Production Studios, and is to support local musicians. You know, mm -hmm. there was so there's so many good local bands. It's it's actually mind-boggling how many of them there are are out there, and they don't get the same level of support and growth opportunities like a band that would be in let's say Atlanta or Nashville or LA or some other places. And I hope to be that. Uh, place where we can give a lot of these local bands a, a good start, a good recording at a reasonable cost with the, with, the, with the good infrastructure that we have in place. So as you mentioned, you've been so involved with film and have had some success in, in writing and directing and producing. Uh, why move towards music? Do you see continuing to be active with both music and film, or is music really where you're going to put that artistic passion? Well, let me let me just say that I, I love movies. You know, I've, I've been making movies for, I don't know, close to 20 years now now, or maybe 17 years, something like that. Um, now, one thing about movies is, A, it takes a lot of money, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're running a startup, you can't, you don't have either of those three, for the most part, because uh, all of those are dedicated to the, to the, to the, uh, the startup. But when music is something that I've always wanted to play and learn, and I actually decided to start taking lessons about three, four years ago, and then I started playing music, and it's something that you can do on the side, you know, without having to compromise the focus I need to have to make engagingly successful. Um, it's also a good way to, you know, let let your emotions f go flow and give you that fresh, you know, perspective in life. The way you're not just constantly working like Elon Musk does, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so you want a side project, and music makes more sense as a side project yeah, for where you are right now. Correct. Correct. It does. And it's also something new, right? It's not It's not the same. And I like to explore new things. And this is one of the things that I feel like um, I want to explore right now. Hmm. So hearing about your background and just all these interests you have, I'm curious how you ended up in St. Louis. You're originally from New Delhi. Correct. Yeah. So was, what brought you to the U.S.? Well, I was born and raised in New Delhi. I did my undergrad in engineering there. Um, and then after that, I came to Memphis to do my uh, master's in um, Biomedical engineering, actually. Um, I actually had a research fellowship at St. Jude Research Hospital. 
Uh, so my path was going to be a researcher um, in uh, medical research, in the technology side of medical research, not the biological side of medical <laughs> research. Um, and I decided that I really have this personality where I want to go and do things and be out there. You didn't want to be stuck in a I, lab. I didn't want to be stuck in a lab writing algorithms, to be honest, right? Um, so I gave up my fellowship, which, uh, you know, didn't go well with many people uh, at the university. But, and I switched major to uh, business. Um, so I ended up graduating with an MBA in international business and uh, finance and ended up going back to technology. But the long story short, I, I worked for FedEx for a couple of years, which is headquartered in Memphis in their technology division. Um, and I realized I really like to go out and travel and do things. And I ended up actually working for a management consulting firm called EY, Ernst, Ernst & Young, which is, mm-hmm. you know, global. And they moved me to St. Louis, basically said St. Louis is our regional headquarters in this area. So, and that's basically what brought me to St. Louis. I ended up staying here. I've uh, been here for 20 some years now. So. And so now that you're in this startup space where you have a company of your own and this company's kind of taking off, is St. Louis a good place for that? St. Louis is a great place for that, actually. Um, there are some drawbacks to being in St. Louis. But overall, St. Louis is, is very affordable. There's plenty of talent here, um, and the lo- local ecosystem is thriving. It's doing really well. I mean, a lot of if you hear, look at the stories, a lot of startups raising you know gobs of capital. Mm-hmm. In the I would say in the earlier part, the last four or five years, it's, it it was maybe a little bit harder to raise capital. But now everybody's going remote, so it doesn't really matter where you are. You can get that investing. You can get even investment being even being here. You know, at this point, um, it is. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are to raise capital if you are a successful company. Now, if you're an early stage company and you don't have those relationships because you can't go and meet and greet and have coffee and you know drinks with the investors, which you know you can do in, if you're in Silicon Valley or Austin or or, or you know some of the other places like that, would have been easier. But once you're past a certain stage, it really doesn't matter where you are. And I like St. Louis; it's easy to get around. I hated traffic growing up in in Delhi. I, every time I go to LA or or New York or Atlanta. I'm like, I'm glad I don't live here. Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and, and I'm glad we have you here. You know, when I was looking at that Inc. 5000 list where Engagedly was there in, in that top 1,000, you could sort by region. You know, you could choose Dallas. You want to look at what's happening in, in Silicon Valley and sort and see which companies from each of those major metro areas had made it. St. Louis wasn't even one of the choices. Yes. And that, that kind of broke my heart a bit. It did, yeah. You know, we talk a lot about St. Louis's startup culture here and that there seemed to be some exciting things happening. Happening. And I don't want to call out that list. It just made me wonder, are we just thinking that, that things are really taking off here and, and we're not keeping pace with some of our peer cities? You know, it's a good question. I, I've spent a considerable, considerable amount of time in Nashville because my last startup that I worked uh, on, which also made Inc. 5000, uh, I was, so this is my second time actually, uh, but that one I was not the founder. I was one of the uh, initial partners. And we did really well in Nashville, and that company is doing extremely well. They're well on their way to becoming a billion-dollar entity now. Hmm. Um, and Nashville has a really good ecosystems because of one thing: they have a strong industry footprint in healthcare. Uh, so there's a there's a ton of healthcare companies there, healthcare startups, and healthcare capital that invest in healthcare. And isn't that also the case in St. Louis? I guess not to the extent. Not not to the extent. I, I can't. You can't say St. Louis is is this industry. You can't. Yeah. Because we, we had a lot of manufacturing at one point, and that obviously is not true anymore. Um, you know, healthcare is somewhat there, but I don't think it's anything meaningful 
compared to a city like you know even New York or but mm-hmm. here's an example New York uh, sorry Nashville based this is a fact that, I mean I'm not trying to tout Nashville here sure um, but Nashville based healthcare companies own 40% of the hospitals in the in the country hmm. or some to that number yeah. uh, you know don't quote me on that but it's in that number and they have because of that they have other ancillary industries companies that start out from the technology companies you know other healthcare providers mm-hmm. you know, staffing companies all that stuff that comes out of that so if you when you have a strong ecosystem like that um you know it it promotes that industry now st louis is very diverse which is good because if one industry craters you know, another industry can catch the break mm-hmm. but i believe um you know we need to find something that um i think there's some work to do something that kind of defines us that kind of defines us you know like music defines national for example they have basically they have two industries the yeah. music, music and healthcare in, in a ways you know austin which was more of a i guess music to some extent and now it's becoming a hot tech scene yeah you know um i think we we need a little more specialization we, we need more i i believe we need a little bit more specialization and i think biotech is turning out to be one mm-hmm. i i actually do think that's quite promising because we see a lot of biotech companies doing well lately and that might be it who knows so that gives you some hope i mean it sounds like you're happy to be here and if more people felt the way that you feel things could take off yes yes that's the hope that's the hope that's the hope well we're all rooting for you um and we we'd all love to see that here in st louis so shree chalapa um, i want to thank you so much for joining us today thank you sarah it's been a pleasure I'm a big fan thank you st louis on the air is a production of st louis public radio Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.